Coming up on this week's show, we get Twisted and Tied with Mary Calmay. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 132 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. This episode of the show is brought to you in part by our remarkable group of supporters. We'll have more information on how you can join them in just a few moments. Welcome back, everyone. Another brand new episode. I hope you had a fantastic week filled with lots of great books, lots of fantastic reading. Yeah. I'll talk about my fantastic reading coming up in a few. Me too! Because I had some good books this week. <laughs> or a good book, rather. Uh, in, over in Writing Land, uh, continuing to work on Codename Winger number four. Uh, the writing on that's moving along. Not quite as fast as I'd want, because I also got some edits back this week to look at for number three. Mm-hmm. But all in all, moving along pretty darn good. Good news. Yeah. Uh, quickly, would like to mention, uh, we want to say congratulations to Maureen. She was the winner of the audiobook copy of The Hockey Player's Heart that we gave away in episode uh, 130. Yes. Yes. Uh, glad you enjoyed it, Maureen. She got back to us and told us that, that she enjoyed it. So we're glad we got to give her a book and that she actually enjoyed that book. Always good. <laughs> uh, also want to remind you that there is still time to bid for the items that are available in Tammy Middleton's Autism Awareness Auction. Uh, Autism Awareness Month auction, rather. Uh, We'll have the link in the show notes where you can check out all those goodies that are out there for bid. And hope you give those a look as the auction runs through April 30th. Also, quickly, we want to say that we will, of course, be at the L.A. Time Festival of Books. That's running April 21st and 22nd. It's going to be on the USC campus. Um, We'll be at the Dream Spinner Press booth, number 141. And together, we'll be signing copies of The Hockey Player's Heart at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then the next day on Sunday at 3, Jeff will be signing copies of Tracker Hacker, the first um, Codename Winger book. Yes. It's going to be fun. Of course, several Dream Spinner authors are also going to be on hand through that weekend. And we'll link to a, in the show notes to the schedule of those appearances. And we'll be doing podcast segments as well for next week's show. And maybe some Facebook Live. That kind of depends on uh, how the Wi-Fi or the cell reception is in that area. But keep an eye on Facebook, because if nothing else, I imagine we'll be posting some pictures. Uh, yes, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. It should be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, you have something that you would like to uh, share with our listeners. And as you get into this, I'd like to say that certainly you're speaking for both of us. Uh, as you discuss this. Uh, Yes, earlier this week, I linked to a piece on social media by author Krista Tomlinson. It was called Embracing Diversity in MM Romance. It was an amazing and thoughtful article that she originally published on her blog and then cross-posted on Goodreads. And now, she was able to articulate some things that I was feeling about this particular issue, but I was unable to put into words. Um... In her article, she addresses the diversity problem in Romance Landia, which has been um, in the spotlight recently due to the firing of Sarah Lyons from Riptide, the dismal statistics shown in the most recent diversity report conducted by the Rip Bodice, and there's the damning fact that in the RWA's long history, no African-American author has ever won a Rita Award, which is the industry's highest honor. 
Tomlinson also pinpoints some of the major issues that need to be addressed, and she suggested solutions on ways that we can move forward um, in our specific subgenre of romance. Now, online, I said that I wholeheartedly supported authors of color and stories that featured characters with diverse ethnic backgrounds. But I prefaced that support with the caveat that I had remained silent up to that point because I felt that it wasn't my place as a white guy to mansplain to anybody about the current state of race and diversity in romance. Now, it took me a while, but I eventually realized that that was a pretty sorry excuse, and my silent support was really no support at all. As Krista Tomlinson pointed out in her post, it was the deafening silence concerning this issue that was so hurtful to so many authors of color. Silence from readers, silence from other authors, and silence from the publishers within our genre. Perhaps, like me, because of the color of your skin, you don't necessarily feel qualified or informed enough to speak about this issue. Um, perhaps you feel if you do speak out, some online troll might shout you down and accuse you of playing white savior. Mm. Well, frankly, you know, fuck those people. Um, <laughs> it's time we all spoke up, regardless of our backgrounds or ethnicity, and make sure that authors of color and the stories that they tell are an integral part of the gay romance conversation. Now, I'm a reader and a podcaster, and the Big Gay Fiction Podcast serves as a platform for me to share my love of the genre with you, our listeners. And now, I, I talk about and review gay romance novels every single week. With more than 130 episodes in the backlist, I hope that my enthusiasm for the genre is obvious. Now, I'll share the work of authors of colors and stories featuring more diverse heroes as often as I possibly can. You have a platform, too. You may not think so, but you do. Try new authors. Search out writers with diverse backgrounds and histories different than your own. Nothing says you support an author quite like buying their work. If you discover a book that you absolutely love, recommend it to friends and talk about it online. Small, everyday actions can lead to big changes. In the stories we love to read, the heroes often face hardships on their journey towards love and their searches for acceptance and community. Diversity is the cornerstone of our literary community. We can't leave these remarkable storytellers to fight this battle alone. Together, we are stronger. Love makes us stronger. Well said. Thank you. Now, you'll find links in the show notes to Krista Tomlinson's blog post. We will also link to a list of authors of color who write gay romance, which is a resource that was recently put together. Uh, we ought to encourage you as well. He mentioned that, you, that all of you have a platform. If you read a book that you like a lot, do post it online. Post it in the comments to any of our episodes because we always read those. We'd love to hear what you're reading in general, but specifically if you have a, an author of color that you like or a book by one that you like, tell us about it because there are so many books out there that we can easily miss something that's awesome to read. Now, shifting gears a little bit, we do want to thank all of our wonderful Patreon supporters who help us uh, make this podcast what it is week in and week out. Mm -hmm. You can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For as little as 25 cents an episode, your pledge helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing this podcast. Now, for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you get the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of any of our upcoming guests. All patrons have an option also to receive a personalized thank you from us to them. 
Now, any month that we have pledges that cover our monthly production costs, we'll produce a bonus episode, especially for our patrons. Uh, and that April bonus episode will actually be coming out this Tuesday, April 17th. And we're going to be recording it right after we do this episode. Mm-hmm. To get all the details on how to become a patron, you can go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash biggayfictionpodcast. In The Hockey Player's Heart, The Feel-Good Gay Romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knauss, hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a grade school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard, like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the school teacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before, and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the hockey player's heart at dreamspinnerpress.com, amazon.com, and other online book retailers. Speaking of spending the week with good books, as we were earlier, uh, you hung out with some bear shifters this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, before I get to the book that I read, uh, I want to talk quickly about the author Kiki Borelli. I had the great pleasure of meeting her uh, last year at GRL. I actually moderated a panel that she was on. Uh, She's lovely and funny and thoughtful, and she writes pretty kick-ass books. (laughs) Um, So this is the very first Kiki Borelli book that I read. It is called Barely Legal, and as Jeff mentioned, it is a bear shifter impreg book. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about some bunny shifters, Mm -hmm. and I recommended that if people were interested in sort of dipping their toe into the shifter impreg genre, those bunny books might be a nice place to start because I kind of classified them as like impreg light, Mm -hmm. like light, L-I-T-E. And um, uh, this uh, is uh, well and truly an impreg romance. Um, I should quickly mention that I actually finished this book a couple of weeks ago and because I'm old, this might not be the most specific <laughs> review I've ever given because I've kind of forgotten some of the details, uh, which is uh, crappy, crappy on my... Let's just say, it's pretty crappy on my part. I had a crappy review last <laughs> week. <laughs> it is your turn now, and you give crappy reviews far less than I do. Anyway, so. okay, so here's, here's uh, Barely Legal by... Kiki Borelli, and let me just say, I did love this book an awful, awful lot. That I definitely do remember. So, Barely Legal is about Roscoe. He is the bear shifter in this particular book. He is the alpha of his uh, newly christened pack. And one day, he's, you know, being a bear, out tromping through <laughs> the woods, checking out the, the perimeter of his pack's sort of territory, when he comes across uh, human omega Uh, a guy named Sawyer. Sawyer is very young, uh, and instead of living on the streets, he's actually hanging out in the woods and camping, um, sort of living the rustic life. (laughs) Um, So Roscoe comes across Sawyer um, and decides to 
kind of help give him a leg up. He takes him into town uh, and uh, gets him uh, a room to stay at the local B&B. Uh, all the while, Roscoe is trying to work through some of the difficult dynamics that are going on uh, with the other shifters that uh, he's in charge of. Um, he's got to rebuild this pack because the pack leader they had before was kind of crap. Yeah. Uh, so he's sort of uh, asserting his uh, he's asserting his authority over everybody. His alphaness. <laughs> and um, there is a nice lady shifter who everyone presumed is uh, going to be his mate. Uh, but uh, she, he thinks she's swell and all, but he's really attracted to Sawyer. And he's like, hmm, I wonder what it's like if I hook up with this cute little human guy. Um, uh, the woman who's sort of been designated as his mate, she has a, a brother. And he is uh, really good at trash talking and being a jerk. And essentially sowing dissent within the pack about um, Roscoe and his ability ability to lead. Uh, I think what makes this a pretty superlative uh, impreg shifter book is because it's got like all the tropes rolled into one story. I'm not an expert on this particular subgenre, but I do know that it covers a whole bunch of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, eventually, uh, Roscoe and Sawyer do hook up, of course, um, and in the middle of the bonding ceremony, which is essentially the bear shifter way of getting married, okay. um, <laughs> uh, poor Sawyer gets kidnapped. Uh oh. So you've got you know Omega in peril, and Roscoe the Alpha has to go save him. Uh, and despite the fact that uh, Sawyer is human, uh, he did get pregnant when he hooked up with Roscoe. Uh, that's sort of explained in the book. I know it sounds ridiculous when I'm explaining it. Anyway, <laughs> so not only do you have Omega in peril, he ends up going into labor while Roscoe is trying to rescue him. All sorts of crazy drama and shenanigans when we find out the kidnapper is not who we all believe it was. But, of course, everything leads happily in the end, and they have a cute little baby cub bear shifter uh, to take care of in the end. So I really, really liked this book an awful lot. Uh, Roscoe and Sawyer are a terrific couple. Uh, lots of fun banter, lots of uh, sexy time, lots of good chemistry between them. I also want to think, I want to say that Kiki also has a really, uh, really interesting way of bringing uh, secondary characters to life. Um, they're not just, you know, kind of placeholders and people who solely move the plot forward. Um, they all have um, their own stories to tell. Uh, and in fact, the second book in this series uh, follows one of the secondary characters from this book. Okay. So I highly recommend Barely Legal by Kiki Borelli. And speaking of authors that we happened to meet at GRL last year, we also had the great pleasure of meeting A.E. Wasp, or Amy. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I introduced the two of you, and oh my god, immediately the two of you started droning on and on about hockey. <laughs> we did. <laughs> it's like, thank you for introducing us. Now you can go, and we'll talk about this hockey stuff over here. <laughs> That's exactly how it happened. <laughs> now, back in episode 105, you reviewed uh, her City Boy book. Which I had been shocked at the time that you picked it up because sports romance not exactly your your thing. Yeah. Um, and 
it'd been on my TBR to read, and it just came out on audio uh, in middle March. And so I was like, ooh, there it is. Let me get that. Uh, it is uh, done by Michael Pauly, who's become one of my favorite narrators for some of the other uh, works that I've actually read of late. Uh, City Boy, to recap ever so briefly, uh, is about uh, hockey player Bryce and Farmer Dakota. Uh, they end up thrown together in uh, Colorado, where Bryce has uh, inherited a farm slash orchard uh, because his grandfather has recently passed. He's arranged to move his mom to Colorado mm-hmm. and have this wonderful place where all of his family, his, his rather large family, could come and hang out and give his mom a good place to live. Meanwhile, Dakota, who has been on this farm for much of his life and has worked on the farm and was very close to the uh, previous owner of the home, uh, really believed the home was going to end up in his care. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's uh, there's a lot of stress as these two uh, come together um, on, who, on, on who's going to own this home. And Bryce is having his own uh, professional issues because he's been injured and is essentially on the uh, injured reserve list for many months as he recovers from a knee injury. Now, these two don't know they have stress the first time they meet on this uh, Colorado roadway where Dakota has to help uh, Bryce recover from a blown tire on his SUV because Bryce, being a city boy, has no clue how to change a tire. Frankly, I was surprised there was a spare tire to deal with (laughs) because we know from our own car that spare tires really don't come with cars these days. But... (laughs) None the matter. These two have a hot hookup right after they uh, get this tire fixed. Crazy hot. Crazy hot. I think uh, it is probably the cutest and most explosively sexy um, cute meat I've read in a very, very long time. It it, it has a lot because there's chemistry from the get-go between these two. But then there just happened to be these cabins right over here. Where they can break in and get get busy with each other. Um, of course, all this goes out the window when they end up in the attorney's office the next day, uh, discovering their issue that they both, one does own this house and the other really wants to own this house. Um, I like how Amy structured this book overall, where you... They Bryce wants to help everybody, so Bryce doesn't want to isn't going to kick Dakota off this property. Um, and as they figure out what to do with the property, and they keep being around each other, their chemistry grows and grows and grows. Uh, Bryce has to come out. Uh, he seems to know for himself that he's probably attracted to guys. He's had a failed marriage, uh, but he's never really admitted it to himself, to his family, to his team, to anybody. Uh, and he has to, to sort those feelings out while this growing feeling for Dakota kind of happens. Dakota's got a lot of his own baggage. He's had a, a jerk of an ex-boyfriend uh, who really, I have to say, in a, in a bit of a spoiler, gets his big come up. It's at the end. And it was like, way to go, Amy, with that. <laughs> um, and so Dakota essentially has to find his way to love again after being so burned um, and having to also find the trust to to really like put his faith in somebody that he's he'll be taken care of and um, and not in a way that it's like that he has to I don't uh, this is where I get a, I'm gonna babble for a minute now um, be taken care of in just the way that you know two people take care of each other not that he has to be taken care of um, if that makes sense um, 
to get back to what I love, the characters are awesome. The chemistry is so good. You mentioned the explosive uh, cute meat, but their chemistry all the way through it is so good. Uh, Amy, I think, also pulled a really awesome fast one towards the end because, uh, and another little tiny spoiler, uh, the grand gesture also turned into a really dark moment, um, which just spun my head around. And the way that she built that was, oh, just, it was so good and perfect and just ended up drawing them even closer together. Uh, the, the families in both cases, Bryce has an amazing family and support system. His mom is great. His sister who manages the family is incredible. Uh, but Dakota's got an amazing support system too with his uh, sister, who is part of that kick-ass comeuppance for the ex. And uh, the other people in his uh, extended uh, found family are also incredible. Uh, I see why you loved this book so very much. Mm -hmm. um, I highly recommend City Boy by A.E. Wasp, particularly the audiobook, because Michael Pauly also does a tremendous job with that chemistry between these two characters. He strikes all the right emotional chords uh, with Bryce and Dakota, and also voices all the characters, because this has a fairly large cast between the family and Bryce's teammates and Dakota's friends. Uh, and does a really good job keeping everybody separate. So check out the audio or the ebook or paperback of City Boy by A.E. Wasp. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So I had a wonderful time earlier this week talking to Mary Calmay. Uh, she released the latest book in her Marshall series called Twisted and Tied a few weeks ago. And we talked about that and how she got started in this whole gay romance uh, community back a few years ago. Uh, she's also got a giveaway that you're going to hear about too. So you're going to want to pay attention to find out all about that. I'm excited today to welcome Mary Calmaid in the podcast. Mary believes in romance, happily ever afters, and the faith it takes for her characters to get there. She believes coffee, thinks chocolate should be its own food group, and currently lives in Kentucky with a five-pound furry ninja that protects her from baby birds, spiders, and the neighbor's dogs. Mary's most recent book, Twisted and Tied, which is book four in the Marshall series, came out in March 2018. Welcome, Mary. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. We're <laughs> very, very excited happy to, have to be here. <laughs> very excited. So I, I love that you have somebody podcast. protecting you from baby birds and spiders at the same time. <laughs> yes. yes, he's very cute. He's very cute. So let's dive into the new book. Tell us all okay. about Twisted and Tide. Uh, Twisted and Tide is the fourth Marshall book, and it is um, uh, the last in um, Nero Jones's uh, perspective, which is my um, my Marshall. Um, it'll be the last Miro and Ian book, but not the last Marshall book. I currently have two more um, Marshall books planned, which is uh, Callahan and Redeker's book, which who I introduced in the third book, and then Eli's book, which is um, he's one he's on their team. I don't know if there'll be more beyond that, um, but right now that's that's what I have planned. So, um, and, uh, so, uh, but Twisted and Tide was a place to get 
um, Miro and Ian set. Um, I needed to get them into new jobs and new things. And originally, I had a really different storyline planned for them, which was for one of the um, uh, sort of one of the girls to die, and then uh, they would they would um, you know take over raising her baby. But I don't think that every um, couple I create needs to have children to be happy. So <laughs> I just, I just don't. Um, so I, um, I have Sam and Jory who have children and I have other characters who have children and, um, Miro and Ian, that just didn't seem like where, where I wanted to do with them. So once I took that kid component away, that was going to be this catalyst for change for them, I needed to give them a new direction, but you also have to, even though it's sad to see things in a book change, you also have to move people on. They have to have new jobs and new directions. And so Ian had to go into a direction that he wasn't comfortable with. He's usually used his uh, military experience and more of his brawn to get things done. But now he has to use his mind <laughs> and he has to become a diplomat. Um, and then um, Miro, who has always sort of because he was a foster kid and different things, he's always sort of shied away from things that have to do with um, taking care of others, even though he is a natural caretaker. So, and his boss, Sam Cage, <laughs> uh, is a very smart man. And so he sees the two places where those guys need to go to grow. So I needed a book that would encompass that, um, get them growth. And I also had to finally bring a close to my um, my serial killer <laughs> uh, component in the book and then put in other different things. So that's basically what Twisted and Tide did. It got Miro and Ian ready for the next adventure. And even though the next books won't be focused in on them, like you won't be in Miro's POV, you'll still, you know, hear things about them and see things about them from the other characters because they do function as a group. So that was my, that was my plan <laughs> with that book. What was your overall inspiration for the Marshall series back when it started? Um, well, <laughs> back in, what was it, January of like 2014 or so, I, I was going through this sort of weird, like I wasn't sure what to write. And then I read, um, I read Reese, I was, I beta read for some amazing people. I, I should probably get that up. Um, I so I was beta reading um, for Damon Swade. So I had a Damon Swade book on my on my desktop. I had a Reese Ford book on my desktop. I had an Amy Lane book on my desktop at the same time. And so basically, what happened is it shorted out my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, and, and then I. <sighs> And then, you know, there's other people I read, like, all the time. Like, I always read T.J. Quinn. I always read Jamie Sands. I always read, you know, um, just, just the, you know, these top people in our genre. And I, and my brain shorted out. And I was like, okay, this is it. I, if I can't write as well as these people, I, I clearly shouldn't do anything at all. Okay. So I spent, like, a week, and maybe two weeks, on the couch doing nothing except watching Hawaii Five-0. And so my husband would come home and he'd be like, so what did you do today? And I'd say, well, Steve and Danny. And he'd be like, no, no, no. <laughs> I can't hear about Steve and Danny one more time. And so, but I was, 
it starts to permeate into your brain. Of course it does, you know? And so Ian is basically, you know, became Alex O'Loughlin. And of course I don't have Danny and he, that kind of went to the wayside, but I thought if you've got this character who is just completely, you know, um, just all out sort of, you know, balls to the wall kind of guy, what do you need to, um, offset that? And, and so these two characters, and I knew I didn't want to write police, but I wanted to write something like that. And so um, I did, I started researching the marshals because it was always interesting, you know, because I, I never want to be the kind of writer who says, uh, you know, Terry um, Michaels has this great analogy she always uses, which is, I'm an astronaut and you know I'm an astronaut because this is my helmet, right? And that's it. That's all you get. <laughs> that's all you get. Okay. So basically what I wanted to do is, you know, you do all these research and it's, I just it, look at my bookshelves over there. You see all the Marshall books and I've gone to the website and I've called that, you know, field office in Chicago, you know, a million times. And people laugh at me because I'm like, hi, you know, hey there. And they're like, oh, no, I'm like I just need to come upstairs and see what it looks like up there. And they're like, ma'am, it's a district court, you know, <laughs> anyway. But basically I did a lot of research and on Marshalls and things like that to the point where now if I'm watching something on Marshalls and they've got like one guy going into a building, I'm like, they never travel, just one of them, you know, and my family's like, you know, um, so, um, but yeah, so it basically, it came out that that two weeks on the couch took me to Y five O, which took me eventually to the Marshalls. So I guess it's a good thing. It's just it, you know, <laughs> the way it the way it started, it was a little bit scary. <laughs> That's kind of cool though that all those authors led you to Hawaii five O, which led you there. Right. It's a it's a step by step. It's a process. So <laughs> when you were planning, was it always gonna be the six book series that you've mentioned now since you've got two left after these four or do you just take it one book at a time? I I do. I, I, I'm always very amazed at these people who can, you know, on a first book, it'll say like book one in the series or whatever. I think that's awesome because I've never done that in my life. I always, I never know that something's going to be, that there will be more than one book. I, I the only, I shouldn't say that. The, the only time I, I, I didn't do it was when I wrote the mangrove because there was just, there were just, you know, supposed to be five, just short stories. But I knew there would be uh, more than one, but normally like when I wrote change of heart, no clue there'd be a book too. You know, um, I didn't know there'd be a second Marshall book. I didn't know there'd be a second, you know, and of course, you know, you're an author too. When you get those first reviews in for the first book and everybody's like, Oh my God, this is so horrible. You're like, well, I'm certainly not going to write another one of those because that went over like a lead balloon, you know? So you, 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 you know, the, those first reviews that come in, if they're bad, you're like, oh, screw this. Thank God. I didn't tell anybody I was going to write a second one, you know? Um, so no, I had no idea. Uh, I knew after the, you know, the first one, you know, I, I did think about writing the second one and then the second one, then I need the third one. And the fourth one was a little harder for me. And, and um, different people have told me it has a different tone, but it is sort of a, 
you know, the last book in the Nero and Ian cycle. Um, so it is going to be a little bit different. Um, it's just like people who started with Sam and Jory, Jory from the first book to Jory and, you know, but for you, they're like, well, he didn't go out. He didn't just run out. Well, he's his father now. He's got, he, he, he's grown up too. You know, you've got different, I mean, he's still Jory. He's still, he's still Spaz, but by the same token, um, as you grow up and have different responsibilities, all those things color you are. And I think have to be, um, reflected in your character, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> now you mentioned there's two left to go. Kind of at what point did you start planning further out in the, well, in, as, as the series kind of went on? I think, I think once, once I knew Amiro and Ian would be done at the fourth book, I had introduced Callahan and Redeker in the third book. And sometimes um, my secondary characters are interesting to me. And sometimes I, I, I always say that I write until there's no more story. Um, it's like when people ask me, oh, will there be a sequel to Frog? No, because there's no more story. You know, I, once you've got people settled and it makes sense and it's good, then I, I think that you're done, you know, but I introduced Callahan and Redeker and they're interesting to me. And it's a different dynamic from Miro and Ian because Redeker is older, Callahan's younger. So there's a different sort of trope thing happening. And, uh, and so I'm interested in that. And then Eli, well, you know, when you, again, <laughs> as you're writing secondary characters, the person who's sort of in the background in the first book and the second book, and the third book, you, as you give them more page time, you're like, oh, this, this person is interesting to me. You know, I'd like to see what else is going on in his head. What else could, could he do? What else could he, you know? But I tend to do a lot of things like um, in a first book say, oh, yeah, you know, the, the um, you know, the, this character who used to be a, you know, a wrestler is married to the a guy who happens to be blind. And I write these things. They're just offhand. And then suddenly, down the road, you've got to either write in the POV of the of the person who's blind or the wrestler. And I'm like, crap, what the hell was I thinking? You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm trying to be a little more thoughtful about who these people are. But, like, um, one of the things... Um, Eli is Jewish. I am not Jewish. And I would never want to do anything that would not be correct. So I have asked, a, a, you know, a friend of mine who is Jewish to, you know, and, and some of the questions I asked her were just, I'm sure, ridiculous. But she was very gracious and wrote everything down so that, you know, and then I can have her check it after I'm done. Because I never want to be, you know... <sighs> You know, not sensitive or or write something that's incorrect, even though I've done something sort of like offhand, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's very, it's very important to me. So anyway. I was surprised that you don't approach series as series in that first book, because so many of your works are in series. Yes. Yes, it's true. It's true. And I think that what happens a lot of times is um, like basically almost every book I've written 
can be tied to the Chicago verse at this point. I call it the Chicago verse. So basically every book, like even if you read timing, you'll see that it attaches back just with like a character here or there to Chicago, to Sam and Jory. Um, and I think that because when you've got all these characters, it, you know, even the mangrove stories, like I said, all those different things can be tied back to one. And I think that's what happens when you're writing a lot of people or more than one book. Um, you can slide people back and forth. You know, Reese Ford and I have crossovers in our book. Um, one of my characters from Floodgates is in two of her books. So it's like, and I had, <laughs> I had uh, the Sinner's Gin guys in, in the third Marshall books. So I think all of those different crossovers, you can keep building more and more and more books. But I just, I, I, I've never been able to see the long range, you know, this book goes after this book, goes after this book, goes after this book you know, with the big arc. Um, I'd like to do it eventually. I just, I have not as of yet um, been able to, to, you know, to pull that off. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it's cool that you said that they're all in the Chicago verse so that there's all these little ties even sitting between different series. Yes. Oh yes, absolutely. You know, this guy came, you know, um, Conrad's book, which came out last year, which was late in the day. I mean, he's been in, he was in mine. He was, you know, um, he was in Parting Shot. He was in, you know, so all, all the different places he's, you know, and then I put Dante from again, which is like I wrote in 2011 into late in the day, because you can make all those crosses, right? You can have all those characters that can, you know, and, and, and people love to find Easter eggs and, it's oh, really sure. fun to <laughs> to read, you know, to to say, oh, well, this character or that character. And it's also fun when um, people will read uh, the second book in my Lange series. People were surprised to see that um, uh, my one of my characters was with a different, had a different love interest. And uh, they're like, well, how did that happen? But when you're writing from first person, um, you always have that. You know, is is this narrator, you know, <laughs> is 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 he a, you know, there's a word for it, which escapes me right now. Reliable. Thank you, because I'm hopped up on cold medicine. Uh, <laughs> is he a reliable narrator? Well, no, you know, <laughs> no, he's not. So you have to you have to take it as if you're in if you're in um, especially the first person point of view, if you've heard um if somebody said something that's in that's in their own point of view, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the gospel truth, which is fun. <laughs> so given that they're all in the same universe, does that mean there's like some master reading order if you wanted to take the whole trip through the Chicago verse? Yes, yes there is. And I put it up. I have a um, I have a small um, Facebook group called Mary's Mob. There's not very many <coughs> of us in there. But I, I did publish a reading order, and then one of um, one of the ladies in um, the mob, she made a spreadsheet, which is fantastic because I just <laughs> I just sent it to to um, to Lynn, my editor, so that she could you know she could have that too. Um, but yes, I do have a master list um, of what the reading order should be, um, just like I had a um, 
uh, Together Tide, which was a uh, um, a free novella on uh, Insta Freebie, and it falls between Kairos, which came out last year um, in December, and the the brand new Marshall book, Twisted and Tide. And so, it, when you read that one, though, you have to. <laughs> If you didn't read Kairos, you won't understand a little bit of what's happening. And if you if you didn't read, you know, uh, you know, other different because there's a gun that goes from book to book, and there's a, you know, <laughs> there's all these different things that are are eventually answered. Um, like where did the gun go? You know, did Sam know that there was a gun? And um, but all of those different things. If you follow the reading order, then that. Then that, then that works. But, so. That's kind of awesome. You've got your own multiverse going on. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So there's just all these different, you know, and all the all the different characters, and it all started with Sam and Jory. So, <laughs> how did you and Reese decide to cross characters? Because that's kind of fun crossing across authors. <laughs> um, I asked Reese. It's just one of those things like when I when I when I had Sam uh, when I had my marshals <clears throat> Sam had become a marshal and I think that's what was in the back of my mind too. And so when I when I went to make a boss for Miro and Ian it just made sense that it would be Sam, right? That they would work for him. And so suddenly you could see him from a different perspective which is nice. Um so when I had Miro show up in San Francisco and have to work with a cop. It's like, why would I reinvent the wheel here, right? Why would I? Why would I make a brand new person? And so I asked Reese. I said, Could you please? Could I borrow Kane? And she's like, For what? <laughs> you know, because she's not just gonna. You know, she has to know what's gonna happen. So, um, so I explained to her what I was doing, and she's like, Yeah, of course, and maybe Connor too, and. Which made sense. So I wrote it. She wrote over me to make sure that their their language was correct and that the things they said and things they did. And then I went back over her one more time just to make sure that, you know, yes, it sounds like me and, you know, that Miro's saving the day, not Kane. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but also that we don't take anything away from Kane because he is, I mean, he's my favorite, Oh, you know. He's, well, he's my second favorite of her characters. Um, but I wanted to make sure that um, it, he was correct and his voice was good. And so Reese writes much more gritty and darker than I do. But from the standpoint of the police work, the level of gritty, I guess, <laughs> that she writes that Kane does is very similar to what I write for the marshals. So, um, because I, I I couldn't cross the marshals with, you know, into a book that's just fluffy and and uh, unicorns and <laughs> cupcakes and because that that doesn't really work. Um, but I so that the you know just that piece is good. You know when she um, um, when she wrote Rebel, which came out. Um, she asked if she could put, um, you know, a character in there. <clears throat> and I said, oh, yeah, how about Alex? 
from floodgates because again he lives in san francisco so they're all already in this in this same place and they're all in law enforcement so it just makes sense that they would flow back and forth and um and i said how about you kill him you know and she's like do your own killing so i'm sure the <laughs> you know we, i always tease her i said you know the i'm sure the nsa is like oh my god oh they're writers you know what i mean they, they think they've got us and it's like oh they're writers how depressing but i do think that if you are going to cross with another author, you need to know that author very, very well. <laughs> and you need to be very, um, there, there just needs to be total transparency so you can see exactly what your character's going to do and going to say and everything else. Because so. <laughs> yeah, then it becomes part of the lexicon of the character, too. So Exactly. It sounds like the, you follow a very organic process as, as you're writing. Is there, are you a plotter or a pantser or leaning one way or the other no maybe this person is a pantser <laughs> i am a total pantser i have a name convention that i do um which is i always have one character with a very um fancy name if you will a very you know whatever and then the other person has a very plain a boring name hence jory and sam <laughs> or you know or um god you know miro and Ian, right? So it just has to be very, um, I just, all these people that have, you know, like Starfire and, you know, Austin, you know, whatever. To me, that gets really extremely um, hard to keep up with people's names and their characters. Because I, I think that one person is usually always the, the butterfly, as you would, and one person's the tree. You know, so you have the grounding guy and then you've got the the person who sort of goes out into the world. And and it doesn't have to be butterfly like flitting around like, you know, <laughs> bird brained or something, but just somebody who is much more, you know, who, who's open and, and goes out into the world and whatever. And the other person is much more stationary, you know. Um, so what I do is I like just, I don't know obsess about the names you know i just think about these names and then once i have the names i just go <laughs> and so and so what happens is sometimes by chapter three i'm like what, what are we gonna do here what's 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 happening here what's with this book you know um but um but i think some books are are, are crafted you know where you just you're crafting each piece and you have to um you're not sure maybe what's going to happen and, and it's very methodical. And then other books um, like Amy Lane says are dragon ridden, right? So they basically just the dragon's going and you're on the back and it just, it just happens. It flows from you right out of you, right onto the page, you know, um, like Andrew Gray once wrote a book in 19 days, right? That's a, definitely a dragon ridden book, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, 60,000 words just out in 19 days. Um, whereas other books will take a long time, either from the story or from what you're trying to say about the character, but it's very carefully crafted. So, um, I tend, I tend to be more of a pantser, which has gotten me into a lot of trouble. What got you started as a gay romance author? I always loved to write and um, but it just I would write these stories about you know women and men and 
And there was just something, it just didn't feel, it just wasn't working. I just didn't feel it. You know, I, I just, I couldn't, I didn't, it didn't feel organic. It didn't feel right. And then um, I was walking through, I think it was a Macy's. I was either a Macy's or Dillard's. And I saw this, this ad for like Aqua Geo 2 or something. I don't remember. Um, but the, the, um, and I saw the picture and it's, um, and I, it's like Marcus, I forget his name, but he's this gorgeous, um, model. But the thing about the, the model is that in all the other pictures I've ever seen of him, he doesn't look at all like he did in that one picture, which is funny. But I remember seeing that one picture and just, it was like, like a, like a, you know, getting struck by lightning. It was amazing. And it just, I went home and wrote 750,000 words, you know, I mean, it was, <laughs> and that was my first, that was a matter of time. And, um, I just knew that, um, you know, that Jory, that Jory was going to be my main character, that, that person was going to be the main character. And then he was going to fall in love with a man. And, and I remember writing that book and feeling like, this is it. My stars have aligned. This feels right. I'm happy. I'm comfortable. I, I, I can just, it just felt correct. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, will I try and write a, you know, a het book someday? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I have it, you know, when I go to movies with my husband, you know, whenever we come out, I'm like, you know, what would have made that better. And he's like, stop, <laughs> just stop, you know, I'm like, you know, and I, and I watch stupid things like grim, you know, I watched grim for years and I always thought, you know, that, that chemistry between the main character and his partner is so much better than his chemistry with this woman he's supposed to be in love with or anybody else, you know? And um, and again, Hawaii 5.0, you know, Steve and Dano, you know, their, their chemistry is infinitely better than with any woman he's been on that show with, you know? So I think it just, it, it comes down to those pieces, you know, it's the chemistry. And for me, um, gay romance is, um, I, I, I just, I love it so much. And there is a, um, I've gotten so many nice letters over the years um, where people have said, you know, if my son, you know, if or when my son comes out and tells me that he's, he's gay, um, I will be supportive now after, you know, reading in the genre or reading your book. or read, And that's wonderful to hear, okay. you know, that. <laughs> so that's like the extra added bonus, you know, that you maybe somebody who, <laughs> hadn't you know ever even thought about reading in this genre has like had their eyes opened and to all these different romantic <laughs> elements that they've never thought of <clears throat> you mentioned that maybe one day there's a, a head book in there but looking inside genres of gay romance is there a genre out there that you haven't tackled yet that you're looking at like hmm might want to try that well, I had one teeny tiny little novella um, foray into sci-fi, and that was bad. <laughs> uh, there's definitely not, I'm definitely not a sci-fi writer. 
um, I don't have the, it's not in my wheelhouse to do. I think that you really have to have a, you know, a different, uh, <laughs> a different, uh, toolkit than I have. Um, um, I always thought that steampunk would be fun to write, but again, there's so many, um, I would probably need a, a, a co-writer or something. Um, I'm just not, um, just not comfortable with that kind of thing. I am thinking about um, writing vampires, which I've never done. Um, vampires are sort of, you know, they go in and style and out of style and in, and in style and out of style. So we'll have to see what, you know, what happens there. But, um, but no, there's not a, a, I mean, I'd love to write that big, you know, um, what great American novel, you know, <laughs> you know, I think we, I think we all feel as authors that there's that, 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 that great book in there, you know, that, that one great book, we just have to dredge it out, you know, um, I don't know what that is yet. It'll be interesting to see. What do you yeah. think the trademark of a Mary Calme book is? Um, uh, I think it's, I think it's, um, just the, these, you know, the two guys who, once they fall in love, are all in. And um, I tend to not write um, things that keep people apart. Usually, usually um, the issues in my books are more external than internal. Um, Miro and Ian finally had some internal struggles because of just the kind of people they are. But usually it's external and so you get the two characters together and then they battle together, whatever it is. I'm, um, when I, when I pull people apart, except for, I think book two of change of heart, it's, it's the, 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 the time apart is usually off page. It's not on page. <laughs> um, um, so you don't actually feel it, but I think it's that, you know, the big happily ever after, I think is a trademark of a Mary Calme book. You know, it's not just, you know, I'm going to make sure you know that everybody's happy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's big, it's in neon, you know, big neon letters, you know, we are happy, all is good, you know. Who are some of your author influences? I remember trying to read when I was like 12 and 13, read all those people that, um, people, you know, other girls my age were reading, you know, all the Judy Bloom and all the, you know, all those different, you know, the little love high books. And I just could not wrap my brain around that. And then I found The Outsiders, right, by Essie Hinton. And, and she wrote first person about boys. And I was like, okay, first person about boys. I think this is what's going to work for me. And so I, you know, I have to count Essie uh, Hinton as one of my biggest influences because um, I think if not for, you know, first person and not for um, seeing that, you know, a woman could write in the POV of a man, um, I think that that would, I would have missed my calling there. You know, things like, like Julie Garwood, who I love, you know, who, who I, you know, I, they're they're romances but they're but they're funny and you can see the trope there but it's 
it's fun, you know? And um, so I try to make sure that all my books have, you know, they're not, they're not um, comedies with romantic elements. They're still romances, but um, but you've got some comedy and stuff there to lighten it up with. I think that's, I think that's super important. Now, I, I know you've got a, a giveaway for our listeners. Uh, what, I, I what have you got in store for them? <laughs> um, I've got an audio book um, uh, of their choosing. Fantastic. We'll put a raffle copter in the, in the show notes for this okay. week so people can sign yeah, up for I've that got, and I've get got, their chance at got, a free ebook. Yeah, I've got great narrators. So, you know. <laughs> oh, is that the ninja? This is the ninja. Yes. There's, there's a bruiser. Yes, he's, 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 yeah, he's, he's, he's horrible. So, you know, six pounds of fury, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now people who aren't watching the video know they have to go look at the video to see the ninja. So, yes. 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 So what else is coming out for you this year? Um, I've got, um, my cue is this ever-changing thing. Um, one of the things that Lynn West always says is don't force a book. So if, you, if you're writing and it's just not coming, that's not clearly not what you should be working on at the moment. Um, I was supposed to be working on Duncan and Aaron's next book, and it just it's just not coming to me. You know, that, like, <laughs> you know how you, you think that, okay, I'll write this book. And then once you sit down to do it, you're like, okay, there's maybe a novella in this, but I don't see how this is going to be a whole book, you know? And so right now I just, so I need to ruminate on this a little longer. And then I was been working on Eli's book and I'm trying to write it in third person, which I think is been a little more pressure on me than probably I should have done. But I need it to be different from Mira and Ian's books because I don't want to be, you know, in that same headspace. And I have been wanting to write from third person for a while because, again, all of the great authors, you know, a lot of the great authors I read um, write in third person. And I can see that there's a lot of room for more descriptions and more characterization and two sides of the coin in third person. Yeah, so um, like I said, I'm sort of exploring the vampire thing, and <laughs> we'll see how that. I've been thinking about this. This vampire thing has been sort of running around in my head for a long time, so I feel like maybe now might be the time to to work that out. So we'll see. I'm gonna, you know, dive into the into the self clubbing pool this year. So um, it's it's time because um, I. I I want to explore different, different, you know, sort of different things. So we'll see how that goes. But I do have a, a gardener book, and which sounds really exciting. But, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, he's not, he's not just a gardener. And now I'm going to get in trouble for saying just a gardener. I don't mean just a gardener. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> so... Um, I hope to have um, two more books out from Dream Spinner this year and then um, two self-pub books out this year. So we'll see how those go. Fantastic. That's a great schedule for the next nine months, four more books. Yeah, I know. I hope. I hope if I can do it. I hope. So, so what's know. the best way for everybody to keep up with you online as you figure out these next four books for the year? 
<laughs> well, I have a, um, a newsletter that comes out monthly, which has a fun, um, Jory writes a column in it. It's called He Said, He Said. It's fun. So, so you get, you know, answers from Jory and then Sam chimes in and that's fun. Um, and, you know, people have been enjoying that. Um, and then I have uh, marycalmay.com, which is my website, which um, has the Mary's Mob sign up thing, the newsletter on there. And it has the, all the different books on there. Eventually, it will have a Chicagoland sort of tree on it where you can follow things by book and by character. Um, my website designer, she's working on that. And it's, it got a little bigger then. <laughs> <laughs> so she's working on it. Um, then I have my blog, which is marycalmaybooks.com. But again, if you just go to the website, it's got the place for you to click the blog and the place for you to click, you know, I mean, then for you to see the website. And then, of course, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff. All so. that good stuff. <laughs> Fantastic. That good stuff. We'll, we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes, along with the books and stuff that we talked about. And, of course, people can hit the rafflecopter to get the chance to win the audiobook cold code yeah mary thank you so much for hanging out with us it's been an absolute blast oh thank you so much jeff so thank you to mary for coming and speaking to us for a few minutes about her journey through the wonderful world of gay contemporary romance exactly now remember she's got an audiobook code to give away there's a rafflecopter on this week's show notes She's got more than 50 books available on Audible. So you're going to have a lot to choose from if you're the winner and you get that Audible book code. Yeah. So, guys, I think that's going to do it for this week. Mm -hmm. uh, coming up in episode 133, we will be coming to you live from the L.A. Times Festival of Books. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a good time. I'm excited about that. Yeah. So, guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter if you have a book. Until next time, guys, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 